Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Well, welcome all you Geek Nationals. I am Vicky Barcelona, here with Joey D. Hello. And for, I don't know how we did this again, but we got BJ Shea, the show's namesake. Two in a row. That is right. And who knows, this could be a pattern. I don't know if I'm I'm okay with that or not, but <laughs> what we are okay with is more geeky goodness. We're going to talk about everything we have missed, either that we took too long to watch or like that we finally got to watching or that we haven't had a chance to talk about, including Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, a little late on that. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of shows like Harley Quinn, Sandman, some comic book talk. Maybe BJ's been reading some stuff. And Maybe. That, you know, that fun more. <laughs> But if you would like to get a hold of us, you can uh, check out our website, bjgeeknation.com. You can also follow us, look for us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app by searching for BJ Shea, BJ Shea's Geek Nation. You will find us. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dork. <laughs> I was just like, heck yeah. You can find us. I'm just picturing like a 90s like montage of like us dancing to like 90s geeky music, 8-bit music. Just, oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Kind of like that Umbrella Academy thing they did, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, that dance? Come on. That was awesome. Okay, wait. Yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> wait a minute. Did you watch all of the last season of Umbrella Academy there, buddy? I have watched the entire last season of Umbrella Academy. <gasps> Joey. That's right. You don't, like, you don't like time travel. I hate time travel. It may I... have kind of accurately reflected my season of thoughts. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, I was curious. What did you think of Umbrella Academy? Uh, you know, they do a lot of repeating, but I like the characters enough where it's not that boring for okay. me. And, I, you know, I love the genre. I'm a genre whore, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, pretty much if it's in sci-fi or fantasy, I'll watch it. And it hits five for me no matter what or what. And this show... Has been hitting five left and right. Five, five, five. It's like just five points? Five or do you love ten. five? Okay. Just, that, that, that good, I love it. It's in my genre. But it's not, you know, the perfect, oh, I'm going to go back and rewatch this kind of show for me. But I actually heard that BJ also finished it. And we never got his thoughts on it, I think, Vicky, because he was gone on hiatus as well. All right. Well, I know we're going to talk comics later, and he's going to talk a little Umbrella com- Umbrella Academy in the comics uh, department. But what did you think about Umbrella Academy as a whole, and also knowing that we get one more season? Yeah, I uh, is it a fact? Did it is it, a fact. It... We are getting Ooh, season four. Yes. I'm so happy about that. It is that. the final season. They uh, announced it like this is the last season. So happy about it. I, I will say this. Um, look, you know, Gerard Way did a great job with the, the, the comics. I have to say I'm a bigger fan of what Steve Blackman has done with the TV show. He he took the insanity and made it a little bit more sane because I just reread the comics. And I was my mention with the comics really was just going to be, wow, I, I, I forgot how different they were. And mm-hmm. I enjoy the comics. I mean, I really do. But I enjoy the show so much more. And maybe it's because of the fact that the acting is just so good. I never thought. I think number five in the show is much more interesting than number five in the comics. And I think a little they, more likable, even though yeah. he's kind of a douche. <laughs> yeah, he is. But he, you know, it's this is where, where, you know, where, like, when you have a writer, a writer is in charge of all of it. And the actors in, in in a video, they will take the character and do different things and even tell the writer, you know what? No, we're not going to do that because that's not what my 
my character would do. When a writer's writing a comic, he doesn't have that. Mm -mm. So I really believe that Aidan Gallagher did so much more with that character than um, than even maybe Gerard Way could ever hope could be done. And I bet Gerard's probably very happy with what Aidan's done with number five. The old like if you do go back and read the comics, which I do recommend you do, especially if you love the show. Something that I've been saying since the very beginning, like BJ said, it's very, very different, but it's very confusing. So you definitely will have to read it at least twice because the problem with it is that all the characters look very similar in the comic, when especially when they're little kids. So yeah. you're trying to figure out, OK, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. OK, who's who? OK, this is the one with this power. And then they all have first names and then they all have code names. So they use them just like, oh, yeah, Kraken. Wait, which one's Kraken? Yeah, especially when you feel really Ben should be Kraken. Right? Ben He's is not, not Kraken. No, he is no. the horror. Oh my yeah. god, that would confuse the crap out of me. Exactly. So it took me now that you've watched the show, I think it might be a little easier to follow. Um relationship dynamics are much different in the comics or more um I want to say not prevalent, but just they, they're deeper than what we see in the show. Uh, I'm glad they changed it, and it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having last week, with, or yeah, the last episode when we talked about how some people were complaining that Lord of the Rings is, it doesn't follow the books or whatever it is. Sometimes it just you can't. Yeah, we have had so many sci-fi, fantasy, you know, comic book movies and shows adapted from previous materials. It doesn't make sense to have it on screen, and this is a perfect example of it. It still works on screen. You could still love the comic, the source material. And, like, you don't have to be loyal to just one. You can be loyal like both. If you just happen to don't like it, that's totally fine, too. But and I think they, they did a really good job. Yeah, there are some characters that were not in the comics. Like, Lila was not ever in yes. the comics, and Lila's mom was not in the comics. And I are and I love both those, I love both those characters. Uh, Klaus was nowhere near as interesting as Robert Sheehan had mm -hmm. made that character. Um, and, you know, Joe, I can understand why maybe you're like it's a five for you there is this show is definitely it's a dysfunctional family show i would say it's like this is us described disguised as a as a quirky sci-fi show it, it, it really <laughs> they are super dysfunctional or or even better yet maybe it's shameless that might okay. even be a better uh, analogy shameless meets this is us meets with superpowers yes that's really what it is and um for me, boy, do I really love how they do that. How this and it was in season three, uh, it really was illustrated because what looked like a very perfect family in reality was not a perfect family, and the dysfunctional, horrible family actually had more love and really cared each other about each other more than uh, than you would think. Therefore, they were able to actually come and and come to everybody's defense and come to the party and get it done. And, and I I love that about it. I was actually. As soon as I saw season three, I said, I want to now binge the entire series. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I did. I went from one all the way back to season three, right after the last episode of season three. I was motivated to see more. And then I said, I got to read the comics again. Um, and uh, I just love the show, but I get it's not for everybody. But mm -hmm. I'm happy that Joe at least gives it a five. That's cool. Yeah, I think when I originally first reviewed it, because I reviewed, I think, first half of it at one point, because I'd only okay, watched yeah. half. I kind of called it more of a soap opera fantasy sci-fi show where it was kind of more based off of the the arcs between the characters than it was the plot or anything. The plot really was just was just there to be there and the characters are really what moved along everything as they, you know, kind of ruined their own lives over and over again. But it was a well-done one and I think that's what I liked about it.
Uh, I'm very glad that we're getting a season four and it's going to wrap everything up because I swear at the end of every season, you get the big cliffhanger and also like you you get some answers that are answered, but then you have a lot more. (laughs) I'm so confused. I'm like, I want to know what happens now. um, I'll tell you this. uh, And I can't really tell from the comics. Uh, but in the TV show, we know that Hargreaves is an alien. Um, there's a scene. I don't know. In the comics, we get pretty like we find that out pretty much right off the bat. We do. In, yes. uh, you're right. Yeah, and, and we and we do in the TV show as well. In the sh- it was almost like a the same shot, the same scene from the comic translated to the screen. What I what I don't seem to understand, what I don't remember from reading the comics is what they. It, it seems like he was seeding the world a little bit, and maybe I missed that from the comics. But there was a scene with his with his wife, and uh, and she said, "Look, you go without me." And uh, then he releases this bottle of these little, you know, they look like little fireflies flying around, and they are, it looked like there are ships taking off, mm-hmm. and it did not look like they were taking off from Earth. So that's where it's like, wow, where did that scene happen? Uh, and I think it was season three where they showed us that scene of him and his wife dying uh, and and these ships taking off from the planet and these little firefly lights fly mm-hmm. around and eventually uh, then go into the moms of, of all of the Umbrella Academy kids. Right. Um, it's interesting because... They, uh, you know, Steve Blackman at the end of uh, the comic of of um, of the uh, Oblivion, uh, is it Oblivion Hotel, Hotel Oblivion, Hotel Oblivion. Yes, uh, we just meet the Sparrow Academy. We don't know very much about them at all. So I love that in season three, they actually this was. I don't know if they got Gerard Way to tell them more, but they really fleshed out the Sparrow Academy more so than the comic ever did. So. You know, I don't know what Gerard Way is going to do because there are some differences with the characters from the comic in Sparrow Academy as as opposed to what we saw. There was no Ben in the Sparrow Academy in the comics. That was that's true. Yeah, I feel like he might have died a little older. I think than he kind of died in the in the show. I think he might have still been like a late. Like maybe nineteen twenty, and he uh, he only showed up with Klaus for a little bit. Like mm-hmm. the, I, I, there weren't many scenes where Ben was was haunting Klaus, um, but there was a scene where Ben was telling Klaus to get his act together. But I and I love that the TV show ended up having Ben hang out for a long time, and uh, it's you know they it's 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 well done, and the comic is great. I love what they did with the TV show, very similar to how mm-hmm. you know The Walking Dead went their own way in, in a lot of different ways than the comic, and still both really good pieces of work. Uh, so, yeah, and and I would, like Vicky said, you know what? If you love Umbrella Academy, the comics are worth a read just so you can see the weird, crazy road they go down. I mean, they you could see where they go, well, they had to edit out a lot. How did they get from here to here because of just the insanity that Gerard Way put on those pages? And as of last year-ish, Gerard Way revealed that Volume 4 will be called the Umbrella Academy Sparrow Academy for the, the, the comics. But we have not heard when it's going to be released to print yet or... Um, if the main plot line is the season like three of the show or not. So- I'm interested in a character who actually has the ability. It's the reverse rumor uh, where she says she doesn't believe what you say. And then it uh, basically means that it, uh, it that it's, it's not true anymore. Like she has the ability to make things not true. Okay. You know, yeah, it's a weird. It was a weird thing where she had because Vanya in the comics is in a wheelchair because she she uh, she basically just had a traumatic injury and she couldn't walk. And then Vanya had said, "I can't walk." And then the this the Sparrow Academy person said, "I don't believe that." And then the next thing you know, 
Here she is. She goes, I can get out of the chair. I can walk. I'm like, okay. That was the only time, at least in the comics, we saw this one sparrow power. We saw Christopher the Cube. I didn't see him do much in the comics. Uh, you know, we saw the dude that had the ability to, you know, when you hurt him, he, you basically hurt yourself. But he's a huge blob gray thing. He doesn't even look like a human, in <laughs> really, in the comics. And uh, I don't know if there's Gravity Girl. Don't know if she's yeah. there. Uh, and uh, number one definitely is a real strong number one looking guy. Almost looks just like Luther, actually. Hmm. So I mean, but but, but he Luther, is also but, a number one. Yeah, before Luther was uh, all aped out, you know, uh, <laughs> he looks so. Yeah, uh, and and also Luther in the comics is much more like just insanely aped out. I mean, it's yep. it's oh god, he does. It's, he's got this little. It looks like somebody put a little head on a giant mm. ape body. It's just so Which, insane. Looking. I mean, and sometimes they kind of did that in the in the show, but I feel like if they would have gone any more exaggerated, it would have looked very off putting and not in a yeah. good way. Yeah, I um, uh, and so there you go. So the comics are. I'm looking forward to uh, okay the, the the fourth series in the comics. That's cool. I realize that a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is about dysfunctional families. Yes. What else we got? Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Hey. So, oh wow! I'm you, interested to hear what you guys think about this. You finally watched it because yes, I think you and I were the last ones to watch it, and I watched it last night with a roommate who has she's never seen a single Thor movie apparently. Oh wow. Oh. And I will say she's, you know, she likes some nerdy stuff, but she's not like us. She loved it. Wow. She thought it was so much fun. It was silly. It was a little creepy at times. Like, it was just all around a good time. And uh, I don't disagree with her. Oh, I'm wow. not surprised. You liked it. I yeah. really liked it. I'm I was expecting surprised. to, like, hate it on it. Like, maybe give it a seven or a six based on what everyone was saying. But I was cackling like an idiot. It was just chill and fun. You kind of... Let your mind go. Like, don't give it. Don't be too serious about it. I think is why the, how I went into it, and that's probably why I liked it as much as I did. Joey D's, how about you, Thor: Love and Thunder? Because uh, I have some friends of mine. Most people thought it was okay, but my, my one friend, uh, Josh from the Board mm-hmm. Game Alliance, you know him, compared it. To, he said it was Wonder Woman '84 all over again. <laughs> and boy, oh boy! I mean, you know, both Josh, Josh and I did not like that movie. Josh, I love you, but calm down. <laughs> uh, it definitely was not as bad as Wonder Woman 84. I think I originally reviewed it a couple, I mean, a month or two ago, and I believe I gave it a six. And okay. I think that's probably about right. Maybe a 6.5 on a good day. I feel like that movie had a lot more to offer than it gave, mostly because you got Christian Bale to play one of the most badass god hunters, and he's not even in the movie, and I'm not very happy about that. <laughs> but besides that, you know, I-, I thought, you know, that was about average. Like, I mean, yes, you have a big-named actor like uh, Christian Bale. You expect to see a little bit more of him, but it made sense to why you don't see him that much, because he travels in the shadows, so he's supposed to be, like, the boogeyman in my head. Yeah. Especially just, with the children. You just hear the gore of the god butcher, and you think, this guy's going to butcher some gods, and it's more god the I don't show up except to capture a child. And, <laughs> you know, and stab like, you in the neck. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's not that it's a plot hole Mm-mm. so much as it's, the, it's just people really wanted to see more of that character. Like, right. he's the big bad guy. Let's see him. Let's he, have him be on screen and have interaction with, he doesn't, that's what people were complaining about. Uh, I think, here's the thing, Vicky, you, you, you uh, watch Our Flag Means Death, right? Yes. Of course. And, uh, you know, you love Thor Ragnarok. Yes. And here and I, and you and I, I think, and I'm going to just say this, we are biased with Taika Waititi. There's mm-hmm. nothing he can do. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, all this. Uh, there's just nothing that Taika can do that I will not like. And I have to admit that I have a bias. And mm-hmm. that's why watching that movie, I enjoyed it because it's Taika. It's complete Taika. Now, I will say this. It feels like 
Taika is like, all right, here's my first Marvel movie with Ragnarok. And he wasn't as silly, but he had great Taika-like scenes. Mm -hmm. But there was also enough Marvel scenes in there. This fourth one, I think Taika was like, I'm going to be Taika a lot and less Marvel-like scenes. And I think that's the big problem for the Marvel fans is that mm. too much Taika, not enough Marvel, whereas there was a good balance of Taika Marvel with Thor Ragnarok. And that's it. But if you love Taika, what, you're going to care. I don't care. You give me all Taika. I don't care. And so... Like, I went uh, into this, like, with lowered expectations, expecting to be a little bit more judgmental on it. And so once I started laughing and just chilling with it, I was like, oh, this sets you into a comfortable place. And that could be my bias, for sure. Uh, I think the problem is with a lot of these movies and shows is that you now have to balance... like. People are getting superhero fatigue, so it's like, okay, do I want to be more superhero-y, marvel Do I want to be more of my own genre, which we're seeing with a lot of these shows that are kind of turning into, like, for example, She-Hulk. You know, you got a little bit of that uh, breaking the fourth wall sitcom-y vibe. You get a little different from each of these shows, some more serious, some more comedic. So where do you draw? Like, I feel like as a director, a producer, writer, whatever, like, you're trying to find that weird middle ground. Like, what is it that we're trying to make, but also include the Marvel elements so it keeps everyone satisfied and you you can't always win? Yeah, this yeah. One just, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this one. This one just felt like it was aimed at a low, uh, a younger audience. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not because there are a lot of kids and there are a lot of the director's kids and there's yeah. a lot of Chris's kids and there oh. were, there were some scenes where I was like. You're really going to use your kids for this and you're giving them all the Thor power? That's not something you can be able to do. I'm not going to lie, though. <laughs> I, that gave me chills and I was so excited, especially when you're seeing all these actors. So you got like your Tony Starks, your um, all these characters and actors that are no longer going to be in future projects. So to kind of pave way for like a new generation. But also one, you are correct in that this is aimed for a younger audience because my friend the entire time we're watching this, uh, she's like my nine year old son would absolutely love this. The part where all the kids are fighting, she's like, he would be losing his mind right now. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not wrong. It is definitely for more of a younger audience. It still had a little bit of the scary elements, which luckily he's like nine, so he loves scary, which she's like, he that's his new favorite character is going to be uh, the God Butcher, which he's a weird kid, but I love him. <laughs> he's, my, he's my nephew. I call him my nephew. But yeah, you know what? I think this is starting to try to get in a whole new generation. Was there a lot of... Um, Oh, what's that word? Oh, where begins with an A. Has does it have an O in it? Nepotism. Oh, that's the word. I was gonna say nepotism. Is there a, a nepotism in this movie? Hell yeah, there is. Oh, Did yeah. I still have fun? Yeah, it was fun. I was laughing. It's gonna um, happen. It's got it's got the good feels. Like I didn't expect myself to laugh as much as I did, and then to almost cry at the end of it. Like yeah, I was just yeah. about there. It had a little bit of everything, so I appreciate it. And just for context, because I got to be transparent, Wonder Woman 1984 got 58 on the tomato meter, 73 audience score. Thor Love and Thunder, 64% on the tomato meter and uh, 77% on the audience score. So pretty close, although Thor Love and Thunder did get higher scores. Yeah, I think the thing that made really alienated the Thor fans was the fact that the MacGuffins that were in the movie really took away from Marvel's story arcs. And because it had to do with, you know, you know, really catering to kids, mm -hmm. people were like, why do we have to do both? Can we do one or the other and not screw it? Like, first, it's having a God-wishing device that a character can just walk in and get to so easily after you have your whole Thanos arc mm -hmm. really makes the fans go, well, this is not believable. Like, I don't like this. 
And then to also make your movie for kids, which I also think is a good idea with Thor. I think it mm-hmm. actually played well. Yeah, I can understand why those two things brought it down for people. But I think to your point, it really would have been a very, very enjoyable movie had they just done a little bit more work on those two parts because you did enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like with some of these movies, and I don't know, maybe I would have had higher expectations had I not heard everyone else's review, much like I did with Doctor Strange and the the Multiverse of Madness. I went in with like high expectations. I went in like literally the day it came out or the second day it came out not hearing any spoilers or anything. And I was, I think, whelmed would be like, because I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. Yeah. I was whelmed. Yeah. And I actually really enjoyed this one. And it was it was a fun movie. Is it like a must watch again? I think I would with like the nephews and stuff. But I, and it definitely was not a puzzle piece movie. Like we didn't need this movie for anything. No. It didn't connect to anything. And I, I feel like my only thing I didn't really care for in this entire movie, if I'm being honest, is the whole Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, in, like I yeah, felt like there was almost too much Guardians of the Galaxy at the beginning. Oh, just, like, we didn't really need all that. That was a catch grab or a cash yeah. grab. I mean, we all know that. They were in there for like five minutes and then they were like, we're out! I Honestly, <laughs> like, it's either have them in more or have them in a lot less. Yeah, exactly. In my opinion. That was my only complaint. Yeah, BJ, did you think the same thing about uh, the, the movie over you? You enjoyed it, but not exactly what it could have been? Well, because as I said, I like Taika Waititi, so I, 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 but I, but I get it. I get that because there was just it was a lot more Taika and a lot less Marvel, and mm-hmm. that's really, really the bottom line in my brain. But again, I like Taika Waititi. If I didn't like that director so much, uh, maybe I'd be maybe I'd be pissed because I do like my Marvel stuff too. Yeah, this is a filler movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, I you know Thor's not my favorite character until actually Ragnarok. I've never been a big Thor fan with the comics. I wasn't super Thor fan with uh, Thor one and Thor two. They were okay for me. Honestly, but... filler movies too, like. In a different way. It's like, yeah, crap, we need I, to get the Avengers out. Let's go. Let's cut another movie you in need, here. You definitely needed to tell the story of Thor because I, I, yeah. he's you know, definitely an Avenger. So I get that it had to happen. But it's just like that character doesn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. And I love what Taika did with the character and and bringing in the Hulk and, 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 you know, with Ragnarok and all that. And that was a lot of fun. And Taika does actually, in his quirky way, like to also touch the feels, which, you know, again, some people don't want to go feel the feels in a, in a movie, you know, unless it's like, you know, Hey, cap on your left. That's about as many feels as anybody wants to have to experience. But Tyke is not that way. And you know, with, with, Mm -hmm. you know, our flag means death, you know, this Vicky, there are so many feels in that show, but it's quirky feels. You know, you're laughing. You're going, this is the dumbest thing. These people are so weird. Next thing you know, going, Whoa, where'd all these feels (laughs) come from? That's Tyke's specialty. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, he did it with Jojo rabbit where you're like, Whoa, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, was tremendous in that movie and I didn't expect that and next thing you know like oh my god all these feels even though this movie has got a his imaginary friend is Hitler that's Uh what Taika does I mean he just does something ludicrous and next thing you know you're feeling a ton Mm -hmm. and I love that he did it with the Marvel movie I can't think of the director um, who she was that did the Eternals but people had a problem with that movie but if you watch her movies you go well that's what she's about and I love that Marvel at least is doing that they're giving us different vibes of movies it's not just the same damn movie every time with different people these different directors are giving their own flavor and yeah they're not for everybody but i love the buffet of flavors that marvel's giving us and this is just another one on the buffet so i think i give it a six and a half what did you guys give it out of ten overall Mm, i give it like a so like an eight okay i think like maybe i want to say like a b minus to a b 
Okay. Like, was it the greatest Marvel movie of all time? No, like it's it's not up there. But I loved it way more than Multiverse of Madness, and I I still can't get the screaming goats out of my head. So maybe yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> give it an eight and a half because like, that was just so stupidly hilarious. I was just like, are you kidding me? And uh, you know, <laughs> also Joy, your mom liked that movie a lot too, which is why Vic, you know, it's interesting. People that aren't like superhero fans and aren't deep like that, like Vicky's friend, like mom, uh, yeah, she really liked. She liked. That's what I was looking at, going, okay, she really liked this movie. That means at least he did the job for somebody. So I'm going to give it a seven and a half because mm-hmm. of that. Sure. Um, I know it, it wasn't as good as Ragnarok, um, and I do believe it because he got too Taika. He got a little mm-hmm. too Taika. But again, I love Taika. But you know, hey, listen, you know, not everybody loves Taika. Uh, so seven and a half for me. Yeah, yeah I, I think if you could hit that range, that's fine. Because mm-hmm. I mean, again, like you said, it's a movie that's not going to play a major role in the upcoming, you know, storylines. No. So the fact that they can still capture you and I mean, the, the scenes with Christian Bale, the CGI, I mean, they're beautifully oh, yeah. done. So I did enjoy a lot of it. It's just that unfortunate kind of. <laughs> I love the concept too, because mm-hmm. gods are a holes. And yeah. so, and really. I mean the I and, and Russell Crowe, I have to say we didn't give him some love, but the way he portrayed Zeus was fantastic. <laughs> and for you Ted Lasso yes. fans, you probably didn't recognize him, but you don't know. But Brett Goldstein is Hercules, who has been uh, known for Ted Lasso. So it, that's exciting to see how that's gonna work out. He kinda looked like my brother, not the baby brother, that's three, but like I have another brother. Yeah. And we saw yeah. him like, Oh my god, I want him to dress up as him because he looks very similar to him. Well, he's uh, you know, anyone I, I love Brett. I, I just love his work in Ted lasso and he's done some other stuff too he's been on doctor who and stuff you know oh. and um so i'm interested to see like okay how's hercules gonna be is he going to be basically just you know roy kent <laughs> roy, roy, he's gonna be roy kent with like you know really fancy looking like greek clothes whatever all right it's funny that we bring up hercules because in my head when i think of hercules you, okay you have two versions of hercules you have disney's animated hercules from the 90s and then my head, I think of Hercules from w- one episode in season one of Harley Quinn. He was such a tool, like gross, skeevy, like bad guy. And I bring that up, too, because Harley Quinn, the new season, I believe it's all out. And I binged it all. I was behind, way behind BJ, and I binged it all just oh, like I wanted. Oh, good for you. About damn time. Oh, it is so good. I know. It, it, it's the, the, the writing and acting on that show in, and, and the cast is so darn good. And uh, it's, But the, you know what, Vicky, you're right. It's, a, again, dysfunctional families. What a, it's a brilliant show, which, yeah, if you're in, in, in canon at all, you're probably going to hate what they're doing with the Harley Quinn character. Oh, and they I'm make, like, they, they're they yeah. just like a She-Hulk, where they, in one episode, they do make fun of, like, the, the well, actually, I do not like this, this is in canon, people who hate on things just to hate on things. Which is, which is, this is definitely a parody of the entire DC universe, and it is... So good. I, mm-hmm. it, it is so good. You turned me on to this show, and I was like, what do I, I don't want to watch a cartoon about Harley Quinn. I never liked Batman and that much, really. And then but, here it is, uh, whatever. Somebody that was created on an animated cartoon. She's not even part of the comic book history. And then a lot I, of people. all my reasons. Like, you have Harley Quinn as Margot, like Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn. You already got that version. Like, how is this version going to be any better or whatever? Oh, man. And, and you liked it. Ron Funches and J.B. Smoove <laughs> and and Alan I mean, Tudyk. Alan Tudyk is who plays two roles in this, and uh, Lake Bell, who I love, Lake Bell. God, she's so talented. Uh, and 
Boy, they they yeah, three seasons, and I still want to see like where this is going to go. I, I and the guy, by the way, also Batman, and oh, and and Giancarlo Esposito, you Lex know Luther. what I mean, playing as Lex Luthor. I mean, I, oh my gosh, Even and the, Bane. Oh, Bane is fantastic. He's just Bane, complaining about a wedding gift the entire season. Bane, any scene that Bane is in steals the show. Yeah, it really is. Oh my gosh! And and even the portrayal of Nightwing and Batgirl and and the new Robin, Catwoman. Oh god! Oh yeah, Catwoman's fantastic. You're right. Oh gosh, she's she's really good. The uh, uh, it's, uh, I guess Sana Lathan, I think her name is uh, Santa. If I'm saying, I hope I'm saying your name right, Santa. But uh-huh. uh, she's so good. And uh, even the guy that plays Batman. I mean, in the whole storyline with Harley Quinn and Batman, and I just love what they do with this show. And it's really good, and it hits you in the feels you you turn around and you go i didn't expect to feel stuff with this silly cartoon mm-hmm. god it's so good and it's on uh, hbo max by the way if you haven't seen all oh, three yeah. seasons you haven't watched any yet joe have you i have not i have not uh what do i have to do to convince you <laughs> i have no idea i'm trying to get him to watch lower decks because it's at least mm-hmm. by the same guys that did rick and morty so uh-huh. i was like joe it's the rick and morty people and they're in the, and they love star trek and so they're doing a whole star trek show uh and joey hasn't quite got there yet it, there's um, a lot so of television out right now there's so much good stuff out there so to kind of try to balance your time like what am i going to put my time into and it, like I don't blame you. Jill. There's t- a lot. It's been tough just to be to fight, you know, catch up on Game of Thrones, right. Andor, and Lord of the Rings. It's like you, I got like nine hours of television I have to watch a week now. <laughs> and Vicky, I forgot. I want to bring this up. I forgot that the two sisters were actually yes. like hanging with each other. I forgot about Kaylee and her sister Brianna, who played Batgirl. Yes, and it's uh, funny because they have very similar tones to their voice. So when yes. they talk, you're like, oh wait. <laughs> uh, you do see a little bit more humanity into Harley. According to IMDb, it looks like we're getting a season four, so I'm holding them to it. It's supposed to be 2023. I can't. I mean, mean, look at HBO. You need good shows. I mean, I don't know how well it's received. Uh, I feel like critically, there's just no way you can put this show down. It's so well Mm -hmm. done on so many levels. Well, that Uh, and like, I mean, the WB hasn't been doing great. Nope. I think they're going to probably put all their money into Black Adam. And uh, they need to keep Harley Quinn and Peacemaker. If they well, when you say the them. WB, you're not like, talking not, about the I mean, network. I meant HBO. DC yeah. in general is what yeah. I meant. Sorry. But yeah. like when it comes to DC, they don't always make the best decisions when it comes to their stuff on screen, whether, you know, small screen, big screen. Well, Harley Quinn and Doom Patrol are two of the like fanta- two fantastic shows that probably... Yeah. Oh, forgot about Peacemaker. You're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, Brendan Fraser's career, people have said, has been is re- just been revitalized because of his work on Doom Patrol, uh, and. Uh, it shows that a lot of people don't know. Even geeks, sometimes you go, I don't know, I haven't watched those shows. Uh, they are such gems. Uh, you know, Teen Titans. You know, Titans is a mm-hmm. is a fun show on uh, HBO. DC on HBO kicks ass. It it, it is as good mm-hmm. as anything that Marvel has done. If you ask me, their shows and I- and Marvel's done some good shows on Disney Plus. But I still. I still think, man, Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn are just uh, even better than what Marvel's done on some of their shows. I have a theory that there are certain like networks, like certain collaborations that should no longer happen because it's the kiss of death. And not so much, okay, not every single time, but it doesn't do the greatest. So CW and DC maybe need to knock it off. Like, not all your stuff's great, and even lately it's been eh. Knock it off. Just put all your stuff on HBO and make the HBO people take care of it because they've been doing a great job. Uh, Another one would be anything to do with Marvel and FX. You've not been you've not been doing good there, buddy. So you didn't think Legion was good, huh? (sighs) 
like it I was thought, fun. I, like like, I liked it then, but it's it kind of got too much, and I, I don't know. It wasn't their best work. They also did another one, and I'm blanking. I think it's called like Hellstrom. I watched the first season. It was. Uh, oh, I don't even know if I know that one. Uh, it was supposed to be like a Marvel mutiny show or whatever before I think even the Fox merger, like Disney bought Fox. Oh, wow. And it was supposed to be about demons and stuff like that. And it just felt kind of cringe, very forced. Only like, and I forced myself to watch it. They had some great actors and even some really good actors that appeared later on. Like the idea behind it was kind of cool, but it was cringe. And it didn't even get a season two. It. They haven't been doing great. They don't have the best track record. So it's 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 tough. And with network television, mm-hmm. or you know, it's really really hard. Uh, we haven't mentioned it, but I will because I've watched it. I, I because there's a lot of Quantum Leap fans out there, and people are just do- they're just dogging on that show mm-hmm. because. It's a network show. You can and, and you're not going to get the great quality actors, uh, really, unless it's accidental. Um, and I have to say, Quantum Leap. I watched the first episode. My wife kind of liked it. I said, "All right, we'll watch. The, we'll see what the next one's going to be." I haven't watched episode two mm-hmm. yet, uh, and that tells you something. It's just like ugh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so, network television is having a hard time keeping up, at least in the world of fantasy, sci-fi, superhero stuff, it's hard for them to keep up. And the CW is it's essentially a network, you know, a yeah. network, and it's just hard for them. I give them credit. They've been able to at least, you know, because of them, Arrow and Flash did create a lot of interest in DC characters, so mm-hmm. give them credit for that. But I'm but with as you, of Vicky. Lately? Is like I, I, it, but again, I'm not the target. No. I, you know, I'm not a teenage young woman. So I can't put them down because every one of their shows does seem to be geared at a young woman. Okay. Uh, my uh, my thing was, too, like how successful have they been recently, though? Because I feel like I've been hearing about a lot of cancellations, a lot of issues. But, you know, maybe they'll pull out something like I think there was a new show that just came out, too, like a DC character, Moon something girl. I don't know. Oh, Star Girl. Star Girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's I another CW it. show. I had no idea. And I am on the internet way too much. <laughs> yeah. I, has, did it get canceled, Star Girl? No, I think it just came out like a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I'm like, I've how did I not even hear about it? Yeah, it's been on. I've seen some. It might even be like uh, season two ish or something. Mm. And um and, and actually is it uh boy uh is um Joel McHale, I think. Is he part of that? Oh, um, I think so. Yeah, and um so it's intriguing. If I had room on my docket of shows to watch, I'd put it in there. But I, I still have to fit in The Imperfects, which I hear is a great show on Netflix. And that's yes. the other problem. The other problem is, is that, you know, you've you got shows coming on Netflix that are just like, okay. And and, and, and you'll probably be talking about this soon. But Paper Girls. I mean, you, it's hard to watch Netflix network shows when you have these great streaming shows. So I got to get to The Imperfects. The people tell me it's very quirky and you'll get a Misfits vibe, which, of mm-hmm. course, I love Misfits. So The, the roommate has watched. Uh, Watch that, and she says that I'm going to love it. She says it's amazing. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Once I get done with Paper Girls, uh, I think I'm going to introduce my daughter and myself. That'll be our TV watching thing. But you did mention Netflix, and I do want to get to a show that we got a surprise 11th episode on, and it's one of those, like, I didn't catch the 11th episode, uh, Sandman. And last time we talked, did we all talk about base? Let's go for the the one through 10. Did we all watch it? I watched two episodes. Okay. (laughs) My wife watched one episode. Okay. And so like uh, apparently uh, like 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 mother like son no thank you. I don't really see this being your show. Yeah, and this isn't to say anything bad about no. the show, but 
I was so bored. <laughs> like I was watching it. I'm like, there is, I am just, this is just not for me kind of a thing. I, I enjoyed the show, but I will say like Morpheus, uh, Morpheus who's uh, the Sandman, you would think of him as like the sexy goth guy that is like, oh, you're very emo, but it's sexy. And I don't know if it's because I was an emo kid in high school, 15 plus years ago. Oh God. Uh, and now I'm an adult. That some of the stuff he says and how moody he is, I'm like, kid, grow up. Like, knock it off. Like, I get you're this powerful being, but you need to, like, get, stop being so full of yourself and get with it. However, that being said, I would love for you to dress up as Morpheus. <laughs> I do have I, it, yeah. I feel like you have a similar face, like, and I feel like with, like, the wig and the black jacket. Can you please do that? I need to get a wig and some makeup, and I'd probably be able to nail it. <gasps> And a long jacket. Can I can I can I get these stuff? And no. what you do? Okay. Okay, fine. Vicky, fine. thank you for reminding me because I have not finished the t- the eleventh episode. I yes. keep forgetting to watch it. I've I've watched halfway through. Oh my gosh! I gotta I gotta put I gotta make a note because I I, I don't know what happened. I watched and then I stopped watching it and keep forgetting that I haven't finished it. Well, so I haven't finished the the I haven't finished the eleventh episode completely. For, for for me, what happened was I downloaded them all to my iPad when we had a flight we had a catch. So I watched them all on the flight there and on the flight back, and I didn't download the eleventh episode because it wasn't out yet. Oh yeah. So I never got a got to watch that last one. But overall, it was it was silly. It was fun. Uh, it's funny because I feel like I didn't bond with the main character because of the reasons I already said, but you think the main character is who you're supposed to really connect with. And I, I but I really love the whole cast as a whole. He is, he, and, and this is what I love about Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. because you're right, Vicky. Normally you go, okay, I need to connect with the main character. And intentionally, Neil Gaiman doesn't want you to. He is your host. That is that basically he's like Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone. And that's what people <laughs> didn't realize is this becomes an anthology. It's funny how Sandman started, even in the comic book world, and then he eventually found his footing and Neil Gaiman started saying, I'm gonna just write these indivi- these anthologies about these um, these people, these regular people doing whatever they're doing, and the Sandman is somehow involved in their lives. Regular people who all of a sudden are now extraordinary, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And also the sibling rivalry that he mm-hmm. has and and the relationship he'll have with Lucifer Morningstar. It really isn't so much about him, but the people around him, including, you know, including his new crow companion and, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, the and the jack-o'-lantern dude. And I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on everybody's but names. But it was Mark Hamill. So <laughs> yeah. And so uh, you got P- Patton Oswalt and Mark Hamill voicing those characters. And I know it's horrible that I don't know the names of these characters um but i mean it's just uh, it's it's so wonderful to see the comics because it's been i just walked by a comic book store it's been 30 years because they have a 30th anniversary edition that comic stores have come out with since people were like hey i love the sandman i wonder if i can get the comic and so dc reissued all of them with these beautiful looks like beautiful copies I used to have hardbound copies of this. I I, I really the, I went crazy for it, and then I ended up giving it to a friend. Um, it's so great to see it played out on the screen. I really loved what they did. And Joey, you're right. It's very boring. It's another one where it's about the human condition. Mm-hmm. It's about humanity. And also, Neil Gaiman has a thing with humanity's love of gods and why do you love gods that are just that are more effed up than we are and you saw it with his american god show mm-hmm. and and sandman predated that and it's an, it basically because they're all gods they're gods of us really but 
are, are they, or it's just our emotions are the gods of us? It's I love just where this show goes, but if you're not that kind of person where you like to do that, you're going to go, ah, it's boring. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Hamill plays Merv Pumpkinhead. And, yeah, Merv uh, Pumpkinhead's so good. <laughs> Pat Oswald does Matthew the Raven, which Matthew, I love. Matthew, yes. Because you have all yes. these beautiful British accents, and then you have, not saying Pat and Oswald's voice isn't amazing, because it is, uh, but it just feels like out of place in a good way. Like, it's supposed to be that way. And here's, you want to see the example of great acting and, you know, bad writing and great acting and good writing. Uh, the actor uh, who plays Desire, and if I can, I, you know, uh, Mason, I, uh, Mason Alexander Park. There you go. Mason Alexander Park is, it was in the first episode, and I would imagine is, is part of the cast of Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. And Mason Alexander Park is terrific as Desire. My God, what a great performance. Mason Alexander Park, not given a lot to work with in Quantum Leap. Look, you got to work. I get it. You're a performer. You got to work where they're going to pay you. And look, it's a steady gig. Why right. not? Um, but I just, uh, but having just seen Mason's amazing performance in Sandman and then all of a sudden watching this, you know, what they gave Mason to work with in Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, all right. I, well, I, you know, I mean, yeah, it's really not Mason's fault if that show doesn't do well. I know Mason's trying, trying their best, but, you know, it's just, yeah. Quantum Leap aside, I do have a feeling that we are going to see a lot of Mason Alexander Park. Like, I feel like they have a very bright future ahead of them. It's just my gut feeling. They are just phenomenal, like, on on screen. Like, they, their presence just super, like, I'm, I don't know if it's just the way they filmed it, but just to see how Desire is and how they move and everything, I'm like, oh, dang. Okay. And, of course, you know, people, again, complaining, like, why do they got to change the characters and why can't they be all? And, you know, I, I yeah. can't think of a better death, uh, you know, oh, which, yes. yes, you know, Kirby Howell Baptiste. Uh, yes, death was not African-American in the book. OK, take it easy. Yet, boy, did Kirby kill it. She killed it in that episode with her basically bringing people to the next level of their existence. I just loved I and I I was like, I remember just sitting there going, I want her to come to me when I'm going like when I when it's my time to die. I I want that. I want Kirby to come to me and tell me it's going to be okay. She did such a great job because there's this like negative connotation with death or the Grim Reaper, because in a sense, she kind of is. Uh, but their job isn't to necessarily kill you. They're not a bad guy. They're there to like escort you to the next point. And... She's the best of all of them, by the way. <gasps> yeah. I think I don't. Re- I can't, I'm trying to remember the rest of them in the comics. All the other, you know, all of the uh, all of the dreams, like, sisters and death, siblings, desire, delirium, destiny, delirium, uh, and death is like the nicest. Which, of course, I love it. You, you love the irony of it all. Mm-hmm. Death is actually the one with the most heart out mm-hmm. of all of the other siblings, including Dream. Uh, and uh, so it is, uh, oh, it's, mm, oh, yeah, Despair also. Dis- oh. <laughs> Despair is just a piece of work. So is this yeah. show going to get a season two then? I, I think hope so. so. Okay, but I don't cool. know. I assume you, you both want one at this point. Yes. Uh, and uh, big, big, uh, big ups all the way to Gwendolyn Christie, oh who is terrific God. as Lucifer. I've never seen her, you know, in many roles, really. It's just two big ones, you know, as uh, Fa- Captain Phasma and also as Brienne of Targ uh, in Game of Thrones. And she just killed it as Lucifer. Mm. She's so like just under. She matched the tone of of the uh, of Dream and their battle. If it was so oh, amazing, and so I, beautiful, and and, and, and it, well done from the comics. They really translated it well to the screen. And it, yeah, because oh, so she was because Lucifer. It's Lucifer Morningstar is both like a bit of evil, but it was also said to be the most beautiful angel 
of them yeah. all. The uh, most yeah, yeah. loved by God. And so you expect, like, if you're the ruler of anything, there's a sense of poise and dignity, but also just this raw, like, evil in her. And, like, she's so calm about it that it's super unsettling, but it's so graceful at the same time. She's just a little bit of everything, and it works. She's angelic. I mean, yes. you know, she she's angelic, which, which makes sense because that's what she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, and I love it because, look, if you talk about human beings, we everything in us— we had to get from the gods. I I, I think mm-hmm. that's what I think Neil points out in this, and he's showing you that. Look, you know, we 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 judge ourselves and we get mad at ourselves. Like, why can't we be better? But it's like, wait, where do we get these qualities anyway? And if it is from a, any kind of godlike whatever, well, then that godlike whatever had to have those qualities too. How could it give us something? She give us something, and it give us something that it didn't have. It, it's just it, it, that's not possible, at least logic. And Neil explores that so well with the way this godlike set of siblings act. And as of right now, we don't know if we're going to be getting a season two. It hasn't been confirmed. On, Neil Gaiman Netflix. himself tweeted out, Sandman season one dropped August 5th. The data harvesting is only finished and is com- uh, complicated by a lot of people not binge watching it, but spreading it out, letting episodes sink in before watching the next, telling Netflix to hurry up, won't make decisions happen faster. So that was the thing. A lot of people weren't necessarily binge watching it right off the bat. They were kind of taking it in because BJ said, like, a lot of these have to do with humanity. And there's one episode that really kind of effed me up for a moment, but I had to kind of contain myself because I was on a plane. Uh, And it was the one with um, I keep wanting to call him (laughs) the shame wizard, because if you've watched Big Mouth, he also does the voice of the shame wizard. I think uh, the Harry Potter guy, Theo, 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 David, no. David Thewlis, or however you say his name. Oh, right, right. He played the werewolf. He was also he was also the uh, the big bad guy in the Wonder Woman first movie. Yes, uh, the the God of War. Ares. Uh, Ares. Yeah. Uh, Uh, David Thewlis. David Thewlis. Yeah. I think that's how you say his name. He great British actor. He's terrific in everything he does. He was also uh, in Fargo and a season of Fargo. Mm -hmm. Uh, The guy is just amazing. But he has a whole basically episode about what he thinks the world would be better off being. And it is so haunting, so sad, so real. It definitely, not a sitcom, but you've, you, when you've ever seen a sitcom and you can tell that they didn't have a whole lot of money and they only stayed in one location the entire episode. I know there's a few episodes of Friends like that where the whole point was to stay in one location. He kind of has an episode like that where they have just one location and all this life, all these big scenes and moments happen within this one location. And it is so captivating and so messed up and so interesting. And yeah, I can definitely see why you might need a break after an episode like that. You're not going to binge watch the next one. You're like, oh, I need to watch what happens next. You're like, no, I need to process and digest this. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Um, And again, I think Joy makes a good point. All of that can be very boring if you're just not into that stuff. But, it was just slow. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that was actually when you said it was slow. That was the episode I was thinking of. I'm like, yeah, I, I could definitely see what you mean. Because they do they do time jump also for people who want to know in the first yeah. two episodes. So when you're slow and then you time jump, I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to care about any of your characters. <laughs> but anyways, I still think it was actually well done, though. I mean, the show itself, the acting was good and the, and the scene, the scenery and the CGI was great. So I was kind of like, eh, if this was more my show and like a genre I actually enjoyed a lot, I would be watching it. But I understand why people like it. It, look, it does look beautiful. <laughs> But moving on from that, BJ, let's get one quick comic because uh, behind the scenes, you mentioned that Will Wheaton is doing something in comics. 
Yeah, uh, Star Trek, it's hard to believe. Uh, IDW has been doing Star Trek books for a long, long time. And uh, they they just released their 400th Star Trek book. I'm assuming, I, and I don't know if it's 400 issues of, of, of Star Trek, like a particular Star Trek itself, or just the fact that they've done 400 Star Trek books altogether. Um, and they got Will Wheaton to actually uh, write one of the issues. And if, if folks don't know, Will is a writer. He's written a lot of stuff, uh, short stories, uh, autobiographies, all sorts of stuff like that. And um, he wrote uh, in, in this 400th issue, there's a lot of cool stories. And this is one of them. And it's awesome because if you watch Star Trek Picard, you realize in this last season that the Traveler, Will the Traveler, or Wesley, I should say, Wesley the Traveler, did make an appearance. This is a great story about what Wesley has been up to as the Traveler. Oh, and okay. leading right up to when we saw him show up in Picard. And I thought, well, that is cool. It's called A Matter of Choice. There's a lot of great stories in this 400th issue. If you're a Star Trek fan, IDW, uh, you can get it on Comixology. But if not, still just get it for the Will uh, story because it is so well-received. So many Trek fans were like, oh, my God, that was a beautiful story. And how cool is it that Will gets to write the story of Wesley Crusher that 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 everybody just signed off on that and said that's wonderful. Go ahead and do it. Um, and I mean, you know, for a guy like Will who's who's just loved that character and also the story arc of what that how that character was received back in the day because there was no internet, but yet a lot of us Trek fans still found a way to say we hated Wesley Crusher. Uh, and Will definitely had to live through that, experience that, not you know, along with what he was going on in his personal life with his family, all that was happening at the same time, and he turned that around like a phoenix rising from the ashes and has become a beloved person in the star trek universe a true fan and of course now he hosts ready room and and love what he does when he's he's because he's a big geek he has a hard time keeping it together he's so geeking out over the folks he's talking to this is a great story it's on idw uh it's the 400th issue of star trek and it's so many great stories including will's matter of choice a great great story will wheaton is such a weird thing for me because i grew up watching next gen when he was already loved again (laughs) so i never got that hate part so it's so interesting to see how big he's become i mean really great success story yeah, and that's the thing of all Star Trek. I, I laugh at all my friends who go, you know what, it's not like Next Gen, or it's not like Voyager, or it's not like Deep Space Nine. And I smile and go, I I, I, I was with you guys. You all hated those shows when they first came out because they weren't <laughs> like the original series. Yep. So people just forget how much they hate something until all of a sudden they realize, okay, maybe this isn't bad. And then all of a sudden they really love it. Uh, but, you know, all the hate for these shows for whatever, you know, for the reasons, certain reasons, you're like, Really? Because that's what they said about Deep Space Nine. Everybody hated Deep Space Nine because it wasn't on a ship and it was too dark. And there's no way a Starfleet captain will do what that Cisco did where he allowed someone to die. And, you know, I was like, yeah, well, it's because they're being realistic. The world's not a pretty place. I don't think it ever will be a pretty place, but that doesn't mean that they still won't make amazing advances. So <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah. IDW Star Trek 400. Well, if you guys have any shows, movies, anything that you've been watching lately, we've been trying to catch up, we want to hear from you, or anything that we should be watching, let us know, or even reading. And until next time, stay nerdy.